You ever feel sometimes like you're running on empty? Or just running on fumes, right? Physically, maybe you, you're, you're tired. Emotionally or intellectually, you're drained. Even spiritually, you just feel low. Well, what do you do? Well, sometimes people say, you just need to get away. Just get away from it all and take a break. Maybe it's a vacation. Maybe it's going out and doing some recreation or entertainment to take your mind off things. Uh, Maybe it's as simple as a nap. (laughs) The thing is, when we come back from that vacation or break or wake up from the nap, we might find that things are still pretty much the same. And we have to deal with that again. So, you got problems? You got some challenges? Yeah. But there's also good news. We've got solutions. In fact, we have a lasting solution in Jesus. As we continue with our series of messages entitled Time with Jesus, today we're going to look at mealtime. That is, look to see how God does provide for all of our needs. And when we see what he does, we have to confess, it's more than enough. Today we want to study a familiar account of Jesus feeding the 5,000, from John chapter 6. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Now, if you add to that women and children, some estimate that maybe the crowd was more like 10,000. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over, by those who had eaten. Jesus was probably having kind of a tough day. All these people following him, wanting them to heal them of their diseases. So he wanted to take a break. He wanted to go on vacation and go on the other side of the lake. But he only found that the crowd followed him. And so he's going to continue to do what he always does. Teach them. 
Now, we probably are familiar with pictures like this, right? So here's Jesus teaching this crowd of people, and you count maybe, you know, two, three dozen people there. But if you remember what I said John reported the number to be like, it maybe looked more like this. Wow, talk about not being able to get away. And the, and the challenge just continues and continues. That didn't bother Jesus. It didn't throw him off. Because he knew exactly what he was going to do, and, wh- and he knew why. One of the other gospel accounts of this story, he tells us that he, Jesus looked out over the crowd, and he saw them as, as sheep who were without a shepherd. That is, nobody was leading them, nobody was directing them, nobody was providing for them. And he felt sorry for them. And so Jesus was going to deal with the problems here. But first, he was going to see how his disciples would deal with it. And from that, we can see exactly how we deal with the problems that we handle or face in life. Just like the disciples, the first thing we might do is complain. When Mark told this story, he tells us a little more of what the disciples did. He says, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat. You hear their complaint? Now that was pretty customary for this group of disciples. (laughs) There are other accounts in the Gospels that say the same thing. When there was a lady who kept pestering Jesus to heal her demon-possessed daughter, they said, Lord, send her away. She's bothering us. And, And when the moms were bringing all their little kids to Jesus so that he could bless them, they were saying, get away, get away. The teacher needs to rest. Go away. You see, sometimes we do that too, right? We complain about all the stuff that we have to face, all the things that get dumped on us, so to speak. And the reason is because we become very self-centered and we don't want to deal with other people's problems. I got enough of my own to deal with. I can't handle their problem too. Or, or maybe it's a situation where you just don't know what to do. Or you feel uncomfortable in that kind of a situation. So you want nothing to do with it. In fact, sometimes we just end up saying, you know what, there's just never enough other people or resources around to deal with this. There's never enough. Would you say that phrase with me, please? There's never enough. Well, you said it pretty well. I have a feeling you say it a lot, huh? (laughs) There's never enough. All right, so let's see what some of the other disciples are going to do. Philip. He must have been an engineer because he starts computing all these numbers and things in his mind. Listen to what he does. Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming toward him. He said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread for all these people to eat? And he said it only to test him. Philip answered, it'd take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Now there's an engineer for you, right? He whips out his calculator and he counts heads and everything. And oh, oh my goodness, we'd need more than a half year's wages. Well, maybe he was an engineer. Maybe he was an accountant. Because <laughs> his first line was, it won't match the bottom line. It's not going to work out. If only we had more money, then we could do it. 
You ever find yourself thinking that? Oh, if only we had more money. If only I'd win the lottery. Or have some kind of windfall, some great aunt I didn't know who died and leaves me in her will. If only we had more money, we could solve all the problems. But according to Philip's calculation, there was not enough. He was still coming up short. And so, too, we look at our lives and we look at our resources and we calculate things and compute it, and we still end up saying, say it with me, there's never enough. All right. So Andrew, another disciple, he's kind of a resourceful guy. He looks around to see what's there, and what he ends up doing is simply comparing. What do I have with what we need? Here's what he does. Another of his disciples, Andrew, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Right? Comparing our resources. Do I have the money? Do I have the time? Do I have the energy? Do I have the smarts? Do I have the plan? Do I have the people to help me? We like to compare what we have to what we need. Do I have a good doctor who can help me with this situation? I hear that other people have good doctors. I'm not so sure about mine. Do I have the resources? Do I have the time to be able to do this? Are there people enough around to help me? And then we always come up with the same answer. Let's say it. There's never enough. No matter what it is, right? Money, time, ability, people. We always seem to be challenged. When we try to handle our problems, we always seem to come up short. There's never enough. Let's take a look at the problem of there's never enough. Is it true? Well, yes, it is. But the problem is, it's not what's on the outside that's the real problem. In other words, there is not enough in this world or not enough in us to handle all the things. This world is imperfect, and we are imperfect. And so the problem is we're looking in the wrong places to handle our problems. We're looking in the wrong direction. The real problem is inside. What's not inside is the problem. Let me say that again. It's what's not inside that's the problem. There's never enough faith here to trust God to handle my problems. And then what do I do? I worry and I fear and I want to ignore things and run away. And isn't that what that whole test was about on that mountainside that Jesus was putting his disciples through? John said he knew what he was going to do, but he was testing us. So this morning, let's take the test. Let's start with your financial situation. Think about your finances for a minute. Think about your checkbook, your savings account, your investments, uh, your retirement account. Do you have enough? That's probably never enough, right? I mean, that's why you keep going to work. Because you know what you have now is not enough to take care of you for the rest of your life. And if you have that good job of retirement, you know, people might think, well, he's set for the rest of his life. No, you probably say, well, i got to go easy, you know. I'm on a limited income, so I can't just go out and do this or that or spend that. 
You see, there's always that concern behind that there's never enough. And then there's the fears and the worries that get in the way. And, and then we get like to be those you know, little gerbils in that cage that spin that wheel. We just keep going and going and going and keep working and worrying and never solve anything. Think about other areas of your life. Maybe, you know, your time, your energy, uh, abilities, people in your life, loving relationships. Is everything okay? Or is there never enough there? Again, we start to worry about things because we're looking in the wrong direction. What we need to do is change the direction, change where we're looking, and realize from this account that with Jesus, there's more than enough. Let me show you how Jesus solves our problems. Now, sometimes when we face uh, shortages or have needs, you know, we start to worry or, or, or doubt or blame God, thinking, you know, he doesn't care. Or he isn't going to do what he says he's going to do in the Bible. Or... He must be punishing me for some reason or whatever it might be. But the truth of the matter is, with Jesus, there is more than enough compassion, understanding, and concern for our situation. Let me show you. As I said before, when Jesus looked out over that whole crowd, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. But Mark also said this, he was moved with compassion because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He understood what they were going through, and he cared. Jesus, in fact, taught us that our Heavenly Father knows what all of our needs are, even before we ask him, or even will experience them. And Jesus, in our own story here, showed us that he knows about the need and he knows what he's going to do about it. He's got a plan. And those plans are always good. They're always right and perfect for us. We remember the Lord's words in Jeremiah 29. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, sometimes when we see things working... Maybe they're not working quite the way we would like them to. In other words, it's not going according to our plan. And so we, again, worry about what's going on. But we have this promise from God, that we know that in all things, whether those things are pleasant and going according to our plan, or whether those things are rough and tough, all of those things, God is working for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Now, in case you think, well, I don't know, that, that may not apply to me, or I seem to be overlooked by God, take note of this little detail in our account today. Jesus said, have the people sit down, and there was plenty of grass in that place. There's always room in God's plan. There's always room in God's working. There's always room in God's heart for everyone. Nobody is excluded. 
He doesn't say, okay, I'll deal with these people here, but you know, I just don't have the time or the resources today for you guys. That's not the way it works. God has room and compassion for everyone. And so we can say with certainty that in regard to Jesus handling our problems and having compassion, say this with me, with Jesus there's more than enough. Now, in case you think, well, you know, that's a lot of talk and that's a lot of promises. Is it ever backed up? Absolutely. Because with Jesus, there's more than enough provision to take care of our needs. Let's just look at our physical needs first. In this account, it said Jesus was going around and healing the sick. Jesus cares about our health. And Jesus can help us with our health. Think of the wonderful medical technology that we have today to do so many things to keep us healthy. It's amazing. But let's give the credit to God because God is the one who has blessed us with that technology and those advancements. And finally, it's God's blessing on those procedures that brings about the good stuff for us. Without his hand of blessing on it, it wouldn't make a bit of difference. Let's also acknowledge this, that God can work outside of the medical field too. God can just simply speak the word and provide for our physical needs. He does take care of us. And that's true with all of our needs, not just our health. This account shows us Jesus takes care of what we need for eating and for our shelter and our clothing. But just think of the abundance of food and provision that we have in our lives, right? We're not hurting. Now, you might point to somebody, maybe somewhere in our community or somewhere else in the world, and say, yeah, but they don't have enough. Oh, my friends, there is enough in this world. God has provided for us richly. The problem is we don't share it the way we should. Throughout the scriptures, God urges us to share our blessings with others. And we try to do that here. We try to do that here with our own food pantry where people can bring in donated canned food items or non-perishable food. And we have people from the community who come in from time to time and ask for help. And we can direct them to our pantry and give them some food. We also have a, a fund set up in our account so that if somebody wants to make a financial donation so that if we need to help somebody financially, we can do that. And as a church body, our church body takes, we give them a portion of our offerings and they take that to send relief to people throughout our country and throughout the world who are suffering. So we try to do what we can in obedience to God's urging that we share the blessings he has given us. But really, if you just open your eyes and see all that God has done, you would agree with this. Say it with me. With Jesus, there's more than enough. He takes care of us physically. But it's also true he takes care of us spiritually. When the people ate this miraculous meal, they exclaimed, He's the prophet! They recognized that Jesus was sent from God. 
And then, of course, they wanted to follow him all around and, and make him their bread king. Because, you know, living under Jesus like that, getting free meals, whoo, what a wonderful life that would be. But they were misdirected in what they should be looking for from Jesus. So Jesus points them in the right direction. Here's what he said to them. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's Jesus, the Son of Man, the one whom God has placed his seal of approval. That meant he was the Christ, the anointed one, the appointed one by God to be the Savior of the world. Jesus would go on and teach them that he is their living bread, that he is the bread of life sent from heaven. He is the one who would give them eternal life. They simply needed to believe. Needed to believe who he is, the Son of God, and what he has done that he lived his life perfectly to all of the laws of God so that there was a righteousness that could be given to us by faith in Jesus so we can stand before God perfect. And he was the one who gave up his life, who put himself under the wrath of God for all of our disobedience, all of our complaining, all of our doubts and worries, and all of our, there's not enough! He put himself under God's wrath for all of those complaints so you and I would not have to be punished for that. When he shed his blood, all of our sins were taken away. And he rose again from the dead to show us that in him there is eternal life. And if you believe in him, you will not die. But more than that, Jesus then sent his Holy Spirit into our hearts to turn these hearts that are so self-centered and so self-dependent and so filled with doubts and worries and even unbelief. He sent the Holy Spirit into our heart to turn it around so that we would trust in who He is, God, our Savior, and trust that He will indeed take care of us. And so it's true. Jesus does provide for us in physical ways and in spiritual ways. And he does that even today. Today, you and I have the opportunity to take another miracle meal, the Lord's Supper. That's a miracle meal because in that bread and in that wine is also the true body and blood of Jesus, the price that was paid for our salvation. This meal has been celebrated millions of times since Jesus' life on earth. He continues to multiply his body and blood for us so that you and I have the absolute assurance that we have the very price that was paid for our salvation. And when you look at all that Jesus has done for us spiritually, we have to say, with Jesus, there's more than enough. And so with a God who is so good and so gracious to provide all of our needs, what should we do? Ask. Ask. When, he, when we hear that, hey, there's free offers or there's a great sale over here, what do we do? We go over there. 
Jesus is saying, I have opened the way to the throne of grace. I know and understand what you need because I've been there. Just come and ask, and we will answer. And then partake of what he gives you. Take it. Use it. Enjoy it. But recognize that it's come from him. Whatever he has given you, in great amount or little amount, as Paul said, in plenty or in want, be content knowing that God has blessed you out of the riches of his grace. And then, thank him. Like Jesus who gave thanks for that little amount of food that they collected, because he knew that in his hands a little would be a lot. So let's thank God for everything that he has given us. It's exactly what we need. So if you're running on empty, there's good news. The throne of grace is never closed. There's always an abundant supply of what you need. And the price for it has already been paid. So just remind yourself of this truth. Let's say it one more time. With Jesus, there's more than enough. Amen.